98.5's SBL Slam. Welcome back to SBL Slam, a very special podcast edition as we had the Anzac Day games just a couple of days ago here in Perth and plenty of action to get through. Vlad Alava and Mark Utley will join me as usual discussing the Round 6 and previewing Round 7 in the State Basketball League. Vlad Alava on the line right now. Welcome back, Vlad. Good evening, Church, and good evening to all the listeners. Uh, let's jump straight into the action, round six, and Lakeside, a win over your former club, the Joondalup Wolves. Are they in a little bit of trouble, Joondalup? They've dropped their last two on their home floor. Yeah, look, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest trouble as such. It's early in the season, and that game, of course, was without one of the key players in Shani Amos, mm. who's off on a bit of a holiday for the next couple of weeks. Fall short of saying that they're in trouble at this point in time. Okay, well, Clara Wisher returned. She had 19 points. Ironmonger, 8.16 rebounds. Lakeside getting the 10-point win, 81-71. to 71. And Schwagmeyer, the league's MVP from last year, showing her class 38 points and seven rebounds. A tremendous effort. She's one of those players that once she gets a turn for the ring, uh, she's very hard to get back in front of. And along with that, of course, she's a, she's a very good rebounder for a guard and can also stretch her game to uh, the three-point line um, in terms of offense. But the other surprising stat from that game for mine was the fact that the Wolves lost by double digits despite despite dominating the boards. Yeah, and look at that. That drew my attention as well. A very good point, Vlad. A question for you about Amos. Will she return for the next game? Because their next two are going to be vital, Mandra and Sterling, uh, two form teams of the competition. It will be uh, some crucial clashes there. But look, uh, I'm no longer in a situation to be able to find out whether yeah. she'll be back or not. I know that she, she had spoken previously about taking some time off. Uh, like they all do at some point during the year, she's obviously... Uh, taking hers earlier in the year rather than later, but I'm not sure whether she'll be back. But I hope for the Wolves' sake, especially against a uh, hot form Mandra, that she is. Yeah, they're undefeated and they've slipped now to fifth in the table. Have the Wolf Pack, uh, Willerton and Sterling, a close game, 68 to 65. We know that the Tigers are under strength. No bar. She's been out with a foot injury, or particularly in this game. But Harper, 16 points. 13 rebounds and a losing effort. Keisha Lee had 18. It was a good fight back in the third. From the Tigers, they trailed by eight at half time and led by two, but couldn't close out the game. Look, I think it's one of those things that you know they're a class team. Even though you're, you know any, any any given opposition might be ahead by a certain number of points, you never write off the Tigers. You've got to you've got to continue to be on your game to try and close out games against that outfit. Um, I think the other part that helped the Senators in this particular game was their incredible three point shooting to shoot ten three pointers and only twenty three makes is an incredible mm-hmm. incredible um, I guess result if you like and really add scoreboard pressure to the opposition. Yeah, and it obviously hurts not having perimeter defenders. Uh, Taylor Roberts, 14 points. One of the more solid players over the last couple of years uh, is uh, Taylor Roberts. Uh, she's you know, been around at Sterling now for a couple of years. You know what you're going to get from her. and you know She's one of those players that really is a coach's dream, just all-out effort uh, and yeah, very, very, very little in terms of uh, performance discrepancy. She's always good. It's just how good on any given game. Now, after that tough game against Joondalup, the Lightning couldn't back it up on their home floor. The Cougars with a three-point win, 81-78. to Now, Coburn were out-rebounded and had more turnovers, but they connected on six threes from 14 attempts. They've lacked three-point shooting in the last couple of years, and the two restricted players for them, Vlad, are tearing up the league. 29 points and 12 boards for Mitchell, and Doucette, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Both double-doubles. They seem to have now got a third and fourth scoring options, and they could be a dangerous team, the Cougars. We said earlier on that they've been very, very competitive before Dissette arrived, and that's obviously a very good debut 
uh, with a 20 and 10. Uh, and only from 8 eight from 11 from the field, mind you. Mm. So terrific debut for, for Dissette in that last game. I think from, um, from Lakeside perspective, Sydney Phipps starting out with only 27 minutes of court time does not help, especially when you you know you, you look at the a three point margin. Mm. But look, I mean, we could be looking at the new big three here from the from the Coburn Cougars, Moyes, Doucette, and Mitchell. That particular game could be sixty points plus between those three girls. And a big addition to them was Taryn Priestley returning in the backcourt, one of the better on ball defenders, and she can uh, have a bit of a perimeter jump shot as well. So she'll be a valuable addition to their cause. Now, a game that you attended, Vlad, the Southwest Slammers and the Mandra Magic was not a good result for the home side. They went down 86-55. to 55. Yeah, look, I mean, I was in the first quarter where the Slammers got out to an early, early lead. Uh, that game was, was not a contest at all, unfortunately. Uh, the Magic dominated inside and outside. I think they had 48-plus points in the paint, and uh, you know, which well, I think that is more than half of what they scored for the, for the game. And, mm. and what didn't help Southwest cause was again our trouble for for Brittany Hodges whenever she was off the floor it was just a cakewalk uh, in the paint there for the magic and look the other part as well is when there is no Hodges and they have to rely on Courtney Bayless she's a solid player she's a very good player and she has to take a lot of their shots but in that particular game she took 24 shots to get to 20 points yeah so again one of those scenarios where Hodges really needs to find a way to stay in the game to give the slammers their best chance at picking games up so, Vlad, was it more a matter of her being in foul trouble rather than the defensive effort? Because Hodges ended up with 13 points, 8 rebounds. That's well down from her averages for the season, 22 points and 14 rebounds, respectively. Yeah, look, I don't want to take too much shine away from the Mandra win. Uh, I think despite the fact that you know that Hodges was in foul trouble and spent a lot of time off the court, even if she was on the court, I'm sure that Mandra would have done enough to win the game anyway. Um, they were just very impressive across the board. Uh, Milo, back to vintage best. Carly Bogue again with a double-double. And Gilday, despite the fact that she didn't put up the numbers like she has been points-wise on the uh, on the court this time, was just uh, facilitating best, organising the team. So they are a very, very, very tough team to beat in Andra. Mm. Uh, my only concern for them is whether they'll be quick enough and big enough against the more athletic teams in the league. Yeah, I like their even spread of scorers. And Bogue, as you said, double-double, 19 points. 11 rebounds. Their biggest lead was 31 points. And they roll on undefeated, the Mandra Magic. Let's have a look at the Calamunda Eastern Suns notching their first win of the season. Congratulations to them. 79-72. to 72. Only home team to win throughout the round, the Calamunda Eastern Suns. Matroni, 17 points. And Mel Moyles, 15, valuable in contributing to that win. Yeah, and look, congratulations to Tom Knowles and Peter Nolder and the crew there at Calamunda. I know that, you know, obviously it's hard work uh, for any coach and for them to register their first win of the year, fantastic for them. But look, for me, I reckon this game was won uh, because of the lesser-known names, if you like. Matroni, as you said, 17 points. Hannah King, 10 points. Uh, Jewel Williams, 6 points. You know, combined, they've come up with 33 with those three girls where they've been averaging 9 for the season. Mm. And when you look at a 7-point margin and you get that sort of production out of those three, well, that is just a terrific effort and really does go a long way towards them registering that win. Now, East Perth never led the ball game and the Calamunda Eastern Suns of old. It seemed as though they returned. They forced 24 East Perth turnovers. Yeah, look, that's the game the game style that they've had for a little while. Uh, and, and Tom Knowles really is more of the same with that up-tempo, up and down, both sides of the floor defence. And obviously one, one of the games where it clicked and, and, and good on them. Um, they're going to get those games where it doesn't click. So when it does... Uh, you really need to you know, give him a pat on the back. Now, on the eve of Anzac Day, Sterling and Perry Lakes went head-to-head, and I just want to congratulate the Sterling Senators because they put on an amazing game night 
on the Monday there at Warwick. It was a packed house. And, you know, I need to credit the, the Hawks supporters for getting down and making it such a great atmosphere as well. But their pregame and the, the recognition of the Anzacs as well and that whole game night experience was a credit to the Sterling Senators Basketball Club. So well done to them. But the Hawks, 79-62. to 62. Now, a 17-point margin. They were hammered on the glass. Sterling, Perry Lakes, 48-28 to 28 in that department. They had 19 O-boards and shot 46% from the field. Probably the last team in the competition you want to be given second looks to. You're right. I mean, we know all about the, the height, the strength, the, the speed, the athleticism of their bigs. Uh, and the Hawks, for me, that was a statement win. You know, Senators have been in fine form to start the year and, and they basically spank them and keep them down to 62 points on their home floor. Uh, Hawks did a great job on Kisha Lee. Obviously, she's another girl that's been playing really, really well of late limiting her to seven points. And, and even look at Amber Land's stats, you know, even though I think she might have come up with about 16 points, they limited her to nine shots. Mm. So that's a terrific effort from the Hawks' perspective. And look, the other part as well of that is that now they've got five girls, no, they had five girls in, in double digits. Least, no, not least of all, I should say, was Gabby O'Sullivan, who yeah. had a bit of a breakout game for the year, 15 points. Um, she's, you know, every week her minutes have been going up, and, and as that's happening, the productivity is going up. So look, this Hawks team... They just continue to march on, and, and they are very, very hard to beat as well. Leads me into that depth of the Perry Lakes Hawks. They've been historically a successful club. We know that, along with the, the Williston Tigers, have been the benchmark throughout the history of the competition. Now, in the Docky Smith playing era, the Hawks can, you know, at times they've been sort of one- or two-dimensional in their scoring, but their bench in this one, 28 points combined. Now, Mia Saiti is going to be an absolute superstar. Uh, her old man was an ex-Perth Wildcat. Emily Burton, who's the younger sister of Nat, and as you said, Gabby O'Sullivan contributing there. They are a loaded team, and they're playing at full strength at the moment, and the results are showing. Let's look at the Cougars and Flames. Anzac Day, and the Flames get a five-point win on the road. Dina English, 22 points. And how's the stat line from Jacinta Bourne? 15 points, 14 rebounds, and four assists. However, three of 17 from the field. What a crazy stat line. It is, it is. But I guess, you know, in one sense, it, it, uh, her game typifies what every coach wants. She didn't go very well uh, in terms of points, uh, as you said, with, with her field goal percentage, but she brought something else to the table. She got, mm. you know, for 14 rebounds for a guard is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, that's just, you know, that's another aspect that any coach would want from a player. You can't be a one-dimensional player in, in, in this day and age, and she's certainly showing that she's not a one-dimensional player with stat lines like that. I think the other part as well for, for the Flames that was really encouraging is they put up 80 points, and 80 points with, with spread scorers, five girls over double digits, and they're still waiting for that uh, post-import. Yeah. So that's, you know, Ryan Petrick will be happy with that. Yeah, and that was a spirited performance from the Rockingham Flames. Congratulations to them. Now, they trailed at three-quarter time, and in the fourth, their first four field goals were all threes and to separate scorers as well. So they dug deep and come away with a very valuable win because the Cougars have been looking the goods of late. Final game for round six, again, was on Anzac Day and the Suns hosted the Tigers. Five-point win to the Tigers. Barr returned from that foot injury and Des Kelly, a very handy double-double. And you know, the Tigers had that type of week where uh, it was it was difficult. Um, you know, Obviously, they dropped their first game, but to get up, and five, even though it was only a five-point margin... But to win away from home, you know, I'm sure that Simon will be very pleased with that. I think what didn't help the Suns' cause there was the fact that the foul count was very lopsided, 28 to 14 against the Suns, and that resulted in 13, 13 more free throw attempts from, from the Williton, for the Williston Tigers, I should mm. say. And when you're talking five-point margin, these are killer stats. 
Mm. Uh, of course, all in hindsight, but they, they they can't help with scoreboard pressure. They can't help with trying to control tempo of the game. And the Tigers getting a bit of a roll on at the moment. They'll still throw Malpass back into that lineup in a fully fit bar. They will be a top three team for sure come the final wash-up of the season. Let's preview round seven, Vlad. It gets underway Friday, and two teams that, it's fair to say, have been full strength throughout, or at least for the last two or three weeks. The Perth Redbacks in fourth, hosting the undefeated Perry Lakes Hawks. They're second on the table. They're six wins, no losses. I want to know, who's going to guard Emily Harmon, who's one of the league's leading scorers right now? Uh, that's, a, that's a very tough question you asked there. I think it would depend on where she do, where she starts to dominate. If it's mm. inside, I'm sure that Natalie Burton will pick her up. She's got the length. She's a, she has the speed and, and the experience. If Harmon wants to take the game a little bit more premier-oriented, I'm not sure if Antonia Edmondson's back. In fact, she probably isn't. She's probably still overseas on, on her honeymoon. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. if she is still, if, she, if she's not back, then it becomes a situation where, you know, might not, wouldn't surprise me if they throw in a bit of zone. They're, they're big enough. They're long enough. Uh, take away some space, see if the Redbacks can, um, can can beat them from the perimeter, if it comes down to that. Yeah, look, and the, the Redbacks have threats on that perimeter. Jones, obviously Rebecca Benson, one of the best in the league. But for me, Harmon's going to need to play both ends of the floor, Vlad, because you've got Burton and Donovan. They score the majority of their points directly from putback. So she's going to have her hands full. She will. And this will be definitely one where we can say, you know, we can say the proverbial, she's going to have to earn her dollar. Mm. Uh, she's not going to get a minute's rest on defence. And for the sake of Redbacks, the Redbacks and the Redbacks fans, I hope that she's able to, uh, I'm hoping that she has the conditioning to be able to cope with that fast tempo, which uh, if the Redbacks don't slow down the, the Hawks offense, is going to cause them some serious grief inside. And as you say, those effort plays where you have to box out, where you have to find a body, um, they become even tougher when you're gassing. Who are you tipping? I think it'd be seven and zip for the Perry Lakes Hawks. Okay, get down to the Belmont Oasis Centre Friday. That is going to be one of the games of the round. Speaking of which, there's I've circled four games that could easily have a nomination for the game of the round because the same night Friday, the Flames in eighth will host the Tigers in seventh. They're on a winning run now. The key matchup for me, Bourne v Barr. Bourne's going to need to stay connected and Barr will need to limit Bourne's particularly on the glass. It's going to be a great matchup. It will be. It will be a very entertaining matchup, and as you say, uh, those two going head to head. Hopefully, the matchups turn out that way. Sometimes, even though you a coach might map it out at the start, mm. and you know the flow of the game, it doesn't eventuate that way. But look, it's going to be a terrific game out there. Simon and his crew do a very good job with scouting, so I'm sure they'll they'll do their their due diligence in making sure they uh, are able to control not only Bourne but Dean English mm. and you know the Chelsea Armstrongs of the world, so that they limit their contributions. And look, the other from the other side of the bench there, obviously Ryan Petrick is will know that that Williston Tiger team inside out. Mm. Uh, so that will be a very entertaining contest. Yep. Who are you going to tip? Whew. Um, look, I'll, I'll go with the Tigers because Bar's back yep. and they just have that little bit more size. But as you say, uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. And if it lights up from the perimeter, it could easily be a, um, a Flames victory. But for mine, Tigers. Yeah, look, the Flames are going to have to make the most of their opportunities. I can't see them getting too many offensive rebounds in this game. I like the Tigers. Too much size, rebounding and depth in that one. We go to Saturday. And again, another nomination for game of the round. Joondalup will take on Mandra. Joondalup in fifth. Mandra undefeated. They're five and zip. Well, the big question mark, will Amos play? There's a couple of wild cards in this matchup. Belcher's been averaging 22 points per game, and we know what Casey Milo can offer the magic. Who do you like and why? Oh, mate, it's a very tough question again. I know. Look, um, 
I'm going to tip with a heart. Yeah. I'm going to tip with a heart because I always have. So I'll tip a June the Love win. Um, but look, ultimately, I, I, it's going to be a very difficult game, especially if uh, Shani Amos does not play. Uh, and obviously, the manager Magic have been, you know, sensational form to to uh, start the year. Carly Bow, Casey, uh, and and Nikki Gilday. Uh, that's that's a that's a big three in its own. So it'll be a very close game. But I'm going to tip with the heart, even though my head says the other way. The heart will win. June the Love. Yeah, I think Junalup will be able to handle them on the glass, but I've got big question marks if they can defend the perimeter. You know, Gilday, even Milo, uh, without Amos, who is arguably the best perimeter defender in the competition. If Amos plays, Vlad, well, I'm going to hedge my bets here. I'm going to have Junalup. If she doesn't play, I like the look of the Mandra Magic, but that is going to be an absolute cracker. Get up to Junalup if you can for the Saturday night WSBL Round 7 contest. East Perth, the 10th, they host... The Lakeside Lightning in sixth. Uh, Lakeside controlling the tempo on this one will be crucial. And the Eagles need to shoot well and have good help side D, particularly on Ali Schwagmeyer. Uh, absolutely. And I think that it's just easy, it, it's far too easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And Ali Schwagmeyer is a you know, MVP last year for, for, for good reason. And again, started pretty much started the year where she left off last year. So I think that she'd just be a little bit too... Too strong by herself. Uh, Sydney Phipps, obviously, there as well. Uh, and that whole squad and the way Craig Mansfield will have them playing might have just a little bit far too too many legs, mm. uh, too much energy and, and too much class for the East Perth Eagles. I like Lakeside in that one. Coburn, Perth. Vlad, you've found two games already hard to tip. Pick a winner out of this one. 11th Coburn, but they're a much better team than where they sit currently in the standings. And Perth would have had a very tough game the night before against the Perry Lakes Hawks, Mitchell and Doucette will provide headaches. They will, and my tip will go towards the Coburn Cougars only because of the fact that it's a second game for, for the Perth Redbacks. You know, uh, you're talking about a team that's going to be physically spent the night before and will need to recover uh, against a team that will just be rubbing their hands with glee, uh, anticipating their first game for the weekend. So I think the big three, Doucette, uh, Mitchell and Moyes, uh, we'll, we'll come together again and put enough points on the board to edge the win against the Redbacks. Yeah, look, I will tend to favour the Cougars on their home floor, but if Jones and Benson can connect from downtown, then that might tip the game in favour of the way of the Redbacks. That is Saturday night. The final fixture will be Sunday. The Williton Tigers hosting the Southwest Slammers. Uh, bodies returning for the Tigers and their form's starting to follow as well. I like the Tigers just far too much class in this game. Agree, agree. And look, if you, if, if um, Malpass returns, and even if she doesn't, I think, as you said, there'll be a little bit too much depth uh, in favour of the Williton Tigers. They'll be smarting from, you know, I guess a one-on-one weekend and the second, the second being a win, but still by a close margin. Look... The Tigers are one of those teams that at this point in time, you just feel they're going to come good. Mm. Uh, they're, they're a bit scratchy at the moment, but you know, as we said, they're, they're, um, they're under strength. They've had players missing, and they haven't yet had their full cohort, but you just know they're going to come good. They're very well coached. They've got the depth, so I think it'd be just a little bit too, too hard a task for the Slammers. Now, if there ever was a team to be built specifically to stop a player such as Hodges, the Tigers would be it because they've got some class bigs, great defenders and good rebounders. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say the Tigers, that's not going out of a limb, but I'm going to say that Barr has 40 points plus in this one, Vlad. Your thoughts? Well, I think that when I, you know, no disrespect to the, um, the, the Slammers guards and even possibly cover Stacey Barr, 
Uh, they're very young. Uh, Stacey Barr is a, still obviously still young, but you know he's going through the college system. He's a proven scorer in the, in the SBL. So yeah, look, she'd come close. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she'll get there, but she'd go thirty plus. All right, get down and support all of the teams. Best of luck to the clubs in the Women's State Basketball League. Round seven, Vlad, thank you so much for joining us on SBL Slam. We'll be back live on the airwaves next Tuesday. Look forward to catching up with you then. Thank you, Church, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. That was Vlad Alava, Mark Utley on the other side of this very short break, looking at all things happening in the Men's State Basketball League. You're on SBL Slam. It's Slammer time. The SBL Slam on 98.5. Welcome back to SBL Slam. The Men's State Basketball League wrapped for round six. Mark Utley has taken a brief pause. He's been belting out the Essendon Football Club's theme song for the last 24 hours straight. Welcome back, Mark. What a great win it was, Comrade Matthew. <laughs> oh, the only thing I like about the Bombers is their colours, Mark, red and black. Let's have a look at round six. Junal up in Lakeside. The Wolves back in the winner's circle, 98 to 78. Iliadis with 19 points. Uh, not one Joondalup player played over 25 minutes. A good chance for them to rotate some bodies. They had uh, the class in this one with uh, Trian and all the experience. I just think that Lakeside at this stage just growing as, as young players. And uh, Daniel Gritter didn't play in this game, I believe, which makes it hard for him as well. And he's not going to be playing for the rest of the season, Mark, because he's accepted a scholarship to the AIS, so he's gone. Congratulations to him, but that loss is going to hurt the Lightning. Yeah, I, at the start of the season, I predicted them down towards the bottom, and mm. I, I imagine that Sam Oatman's a little bit frustrated, but he's just got to bide his time with those young kids and put the time in, and they'll develop for him. Lack of scorers for the Lightning. Paget had 11 points, 17 rebounds. They turned it over 21 times, Mark, and this was converted to 34 points by Junilup. That's something they've been known for over the years. Yeah, Junilup are very good at that, especially on their own court. Willerton took on Sterling. I managed to get down to this game on Friday, and Sterling made a tremendous start to the first term, and the Tigers had to play catch-up basketball. 30-15, to 15, the first-term score. Ellis had 11 of those. Ash Litterick was superb. I know he didn't score, but he had seven offensive boards in this game, and I really liked his active nature and his energy on the glass as well. Ellis ended up with 28 in this. Fake had 16, and Turner had 25. He was 11 of 14 from the field, and Bowie had 30 mark. But Scott, Cody, and Armour combined for just nine points, three of 14 from the field. The Senators are starting to put it together. I really like Ash Litterick. I think he's even improved on last year. And one of the amazing things about Sterling, without having a super dominant big until their import arrives, mm. they're beating teams regularly on the glass. In both the games of the weekend, they've put up good rebounding numbers and, and that converts when you've got dangerous shooters that can stretch the floor like they do. Yeah, and Litterick, his energy is actually noticeable. He gets there, he's, he plays at a good tempo as well. On the other side, Willerton really lacked tempo and they were poor defensively giving up too many points obviously off second chance points and as good as Ray Turner is on the offensive end of the floor he he did seem to be a little disinterested on the defensive end of the floor in this game and Sterling come away with what I thought was a bit of a shock win there 89 to 85 so congratulations to Mike Ellis and his group of players well Lakeside took on Coburn and it was the Cougars 91 to 78 Jalen Billups again leading the way, 20 points. And Gav Field with a double-double mark, 16 and 10. Those two are going to be the keys playing the 4-5 for them. I was talking to Rhett Della today, and you know he's, he's coming off the bench as an experienced big. 
Um, we don't know what will happen as the season goes on, but by having Field and, and Billets playing like they are, they, they're going to be a tough team to take on as the season goes along. And Paget had one of his high-scoring games, 25 points, but again, lacked the support. The Cougars moved the ball really well, 27 assists, and they got good looks. I think they shot around the 50% mark from the field. So the defending champs right up in the mix in the early stages of the season. Well, the Hawks took on Geraldton, and not so much surprise in the result, Mark, but more the margin, 88 to 70, the Buccaneers getting the road win. Yeah, I was really surprised by this one. I actually thought that uh, Perry Lakes would get this done. Um, I saw Geraldton this weekend, and they've got a good spread of talent, and they've got a good, experienced team. You know, you can't underestimate Geraldton, but I actually thought Perry Lakes would get this one done. Yeah, look, Barrow leading the way, 23 points. Hussey had 23 also, Smith was the lead scorer there for the Hawks, just 17 points. They struggled from beyond the arc. They were 4 of 21. Now, the Bucks were up 7 at three-quarter time before the Hawks capitulated in the fourth. They could only muster 10 points, and the Buccaneers get a great win. You attended the game in the southwest. The Slammers hosted Mandra, 87 to 71. Talk us through your thoughts on the game. Yeah, it was a really good standard of game. The Mandra guys, had, a lot of their young guys just missed some crucial layups at times. Uh, Taylor Mullinax was dominant for Mandra again, but the class of, of Trey Nichols, mm. uh, Michael Lade led him well. And it's amazing how you forget how good a player Brian Vocal is watching him. His, his passing is superb for, for a three-man, and I imagine Nixie's glad to have him back. He was dominant on the glass. I was surprised that they were chasing him outside the keyway. I would have probably stayed at home in the keyway and met him there for the rebounds. I think he only had five or six shot attempts from what I saw, but he just dominated the game um, with the little things he did. It was interesting with Rick Kreklow, He, I think he only had four shots until half-time, and then in the third quarter, he started to find range, and I think it's a bit of the college player coming out and, and trying to wait for his shots where... As, as an import in that team and probably a team that's struggling, they need him to, to get up some shot attempts and get up some good looks because he can play and he showed in that third quarter he, he can be a good shooter, but it's just he struggled to, to get that off. And the game went down to the wire, but the class of Trey Nichols hitting a big shot just stopped the run that Mandra had and, and it was a good win by the Slammers. Do you think Traher may have lit a fire under Kreklo at half time? He ended up with 19 points. You didn't hear anything emanating from the, the locker rooms? No, after and after, and um, it was just a case of he said that Rick got better looks in the third quarter and, and started to knock him down, and he, he would like Rick to take, he thinks he, probably in the first half, he took turned down some good open looks, probably to play the team way, and you know it's hard for some imports to come out when they're used to being in college of being selected with shots or getting dragged, and you really want them to be, start just gunning from the start, and that's something that Rick will learn as an import. I, I thought McNeil was better um, this week. His energy was really good um, for the Magic, and that gave him another option. It was just a, a case of you know, some class coming through for the Slammers at, at key times. We just need to give another shout-out to Volkel. His stat line, 15, 14 rebounds and nine dimes. Trey Nichols had 30. Mark, what's the best way to guard Trey Nichols? I always found with Trey, the best way is to actually push him away from on-ball screens and keep him on a sideline. Mm. He's so dominant. You can't let him have space. You can't let him have the middle of the court. Um, and all you can do is just force him into tough shots. Mm. You, you know he's going to get his points. You just try to get him to lower his percentage. Um, so we always tried to 
to get him to avoid using on-ball picks that he wants to do. It's hard at the moment too because Vocal's so good at finding him. Um, and they're back together, and, and some of the passes that Vocal did were really impressive. Yeah, I love the way that he goes about it, Brian Vocal. Uh, the Goldfields Giants hosted the Perth Redbacks. Competitive game from both teams. The Redbacks running away 91-83. to 83. Sean Redditch, 30 points, 14 rebounds. Holman had 27 and 15. Now, the Redbacks were already without seven players in this game, and then they lost one of their starters in Riley Chapel early, and they rallied in the fourth quarter believe scores were tied at three-quarter time and then Q Ben Smith he missed his first eight field goal attempts and then goes for 16 points mark in the fourth quarter including four straight threes and the Redbacks dig deep for an eight-point win yeah Ben Ben can uh, can really light it up and we've seen it in times in, in quarters and and that's what you like about him he doesn't get shy to shoot that looking um, at the result I'm actually again really pleased at how many other little role players Nick has to mm. choose from like Jack Wagner did a good cameo there um, other players that came off looked like they did their job and it's always you always come away from the Kalgoorlie game glad that you won uh, it's a tough place to play and, and I know Nick will be happy with that the real danger I reckon is the week after the trip to Kalgoorlie so now it'll be a case of focusing on his recovery and who they have next week and you make a, a good point because it's going to be a crunch weekend for them they host the Hawks before going and travelling to the defending champs, the Coburn Cougars. So two different styles there with Coburn and Perry Lakes, and we'll get a very good gauge on where the Redbacks are. And I'm not speaking from the heart, but I, I think that the Redbacks now, I think they've firmed into favouritism for the title because six or seven players out, and to be still up at the top of the standings at the moment, I think that they're going to make a big push. I think they'd be in the top four, that's for sure. That's where I had them at the start. Oh, on this show, I've mentioned it before that with Redditch, he's a quality player at SPL level. He's a quality player at NBL level. When those guys come in, Lee Roberts has just won his first round of, of playoffs in, I believe, Israel. Yep. So he's playing in a good league there. I think he's playing with Jermaine Beale. And you know, when he arrives, he's going to be in game shape. And yeah, I'd agree with you. They're, they're probably going to be one of the top teams that that teams are looking to defeat if they have to get to the title themselves. Yeah, and uh, throw into the mix Mike Vigor. The Bristol Flyers about to begin their playoff campaign against the Newcastle team there. So that'll be a tough first-round matchup. They're going to have a formidable front court. And you throw Tyler Viscovic, who's had a bit of tutelage under Ty Harrelson. No doubt he'll take his game to the next level as well. Let's have a look at the Calamunda Eastern Suns. Couldn't make it four in a row and they give up 107 points to the East Perth Eagles. Drew Williamson just winding back the clock, 29 points. He was stroking the ball from downtown. Kevin Davis, 24 and 16 in a big win there for the Eagles. Yeah, I was talking on the weekend about this game. I think it was down at Bunbury when I was watching, and I was having a look at the play-by-play, and I sort of knew that Drew Williamson, this was tailor-made for him because no one rushes experienced players like Drew, and if he's got his shot firing, the Helter Skelter of Eastern Suns is he's just gonna love that. He's gonna up fake and he's gonna get his open shots and Kevin Davis, a dominant big um, there was gonna be one of the things that, that Eastern Suns were gonna struggle with and Eastern Suns um struggled from the outside for a number of their players. Kirit Horn I think went over from the three point line. Jamison Lewis went over as well and if they're not hitting those shots and you've got Davis and you've got Drew 
scoring at ease at the other end, it's going to be a hard one for him. In fairness to Kerrit Horn, he has made a great start to the season. Jamison Lewis not really impactful throughout the start of all of the games there for the Suns, but Horn has been lighting it up and he goes a bit dry this weekend. Uh, East Perth, 56% from the field and no issues from the perimeter. They finished 8 of 17 from the three-point line. The Rockingham Flames and Geraldton locked horns, 79 to 85. Ralph, 20 points. He was 5 of 10 from the long line off the bench and you attended this game as well, Mark. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting that the scouting report on Aaron Ralph hasn't changed for a long time and he was weak side 45. He missed the first open look and then he just got on fire from that, from that spot whenever they were making a run and having Aaron put the ball on the floor was, is one of the key priorities to playing him. Um, all-round team, Mo Barrow was solid and strong as he always is. I believe Jackson Hussey and Benjamin might be carrying just little niggling injuries and they're a bit sore on the Sunday. So Ray was actually really happy to get that win and get the double on the weekend with two tough games that were there. And, you know, Rockingham Flames had Jared Griffin play out of his skin. And then at the last minute when they were on a, they got it back to five points. It was interesting that Jared came off the court when that momentum was there. And, and that, that made it hard to maintain that momentum because I thought he was outstanding. Jared Griffin playing on that game on Sunday. Okay, was he subbed out due to injury or was that just more a sort of a tactical change there? It looked like a rotation one. Yeah. Um, it might have been that Brad was trying to get, say, Matt Honey in to, you know, to hit some big shots because it was close to the end. But mm. if you look at it, I think he, he got 11 or 12 rebounds as a guard. Mm. One of the best in the I comp of a rebounding guard, Griffin. Yeah, and he, and he had his shot going as well. Like, he got a few open looks. So, with Jared, it's always one of those ones that if he hits his open shot, he's not you know, a drop-down shooter, but once he, he gets hot, he can get really hot. So, I would have kept him out there for that bit just because he was giving you so much. And in the last quarter, Vinny Zolo's energy, I thought, was really good. He, mm. was, he was a lot more um, energetic around the press when they started the full-court D. And maybe that's something that they need to look at to get those guys into the game is, is extend the pressure a bit um, right from the start of the game to get themselves going and take a few risks with it. Mark, will the Flames look back on what happened in the second term? Uh, talk us through that. I mean, they're up three at quarter time and then they dry up. They only had 12 points in the second. They finished the game with 13 more field goal attempts. Yeah, you know, the Bucks went to a zone. They looked like they didn't really attack the zone. They settled for a number of shots that you know weren't high percentage shots and it just looked like from the outside looking in and knowing the team that there might have been a little bit of self-doubt with momentum and it took the scoring off off defensive pressure to get them back into that so I think that's probably what they need to do is up that defensive pressure as much as possible early because when the game went to a tempo pace that Geraldton wanted it they went backwards in that in that quarter and that Brad Jemelson highlighted in his pre-game um preview where he said that they just haven't been able to put 40 minutes together. They have really good patches and that's something they've got to concentrate on. Can they be a playoff team? Uh, it's hard from here. They they lost again with the Cougars. That puts them at, I think at third bottom at two wins. I would say they could be but it would be I think doubtful because of how tough the teams are a bit ahead of them. Yeah. There are some really good teams around that. You know, Coburn I think sit up eights and they're playing really really well mm. and they've got experience East Perth Eagles 
as I said, I was the one that picked them outside of the eight this year. But getting Kevin Davis and, and getting Mason Bragg, they're, they're going to be a tough team. They're the team I wouldn't like to meet in the first round of the playoffs, these Perth Eagles, because if they sit in the zone and you have a bad shooting night with Davis changing shots, they're going to be a really tough unit. Yeah, some very good observations there. Let's have a look on the eve of Anzac Day. Sterling and Perry Lakes played out a pretty tight game, a huge crowd. And again, I'll congratulate the Sterling Senators. They put on an amazing game night atmosphere, uh, 80 to 69. Glenn Ellis is actually the courtside announcer there, which is, that was interesting and an experience in itself there at Warwick. But look, Perry Lakes, in my opinion, are struggling. I went along to the game and Attic Ponya had 21 points, but they had no real chemistry himself and, and Waters in the backcourt. Carwell was non-existent. He didn't get many touches around the basket where he can thrive. And look, Sterling did a bit of a number on them. Again, you know, Ash Litterick's energy was crucial. He had 24 and 12, and he was 11 of 13 from the field. And the Senators are on a bit of a run at the moment. The big one here was the rebounding count. Mm. I, I was really surprised. I was really surprised. Team rebounding count, but I thought Perry Lakes with, with Carwell and Purser and, and those guys around the paint that would easily break even. But Sterling was dominant, and, and that team rebounding that they've got going is, you know, that's what's keeping them in games. Um, as we said, Ash Litterick is playing hard, and I thought Carwell would just basically take the keyway and stop Ash's influence just on pure size. So that's really impressive that he's done that against quality as well. And this is just... Alice going for personality of the year. <laughs> yeah, he's actually won it before, so he could be the, the first, time, first person to win it twice. Mark, just getting back to the Hawks, Brian Carwell, he just looked out of sorts. I'm not sure if it was... You know, something within his own mindset or the way that they're using him because he only had 7.3 of 8 against Geraldton. That's eight field goal attempts. And he ended up with five points in this one. He was one of four and spent a lot of the time just running rim to rim, not getting touches. Uh, he looked disinterested on D, particularly when they sat on in the zone. And um, look, Perry Lakes had problems defending the pick and roll from Sterling. And Attic Ponya and Waters... They are really forcing it from the perimeter. Attic Ponya ended up the weekend 3 of 12 from downtown, and Waters was 2 of 10. So I'm going to expect a lot of teams to sit back in a zone and, and try and make them, beat them from the outside. Yeah, there are teams that I was actually really surprised at how they are struggling. They've lost some games that I thought they would have won. That was going to be the challenge, putting a team together of how they gel and what chemistry they do. I thought that they would... Uh, they would get it done and I wouldn't be surprised in the second half of the year if they do go on a tear and win sort of 10 games in a row but at the present moment as you said Miss is the really only knockdown shooter that they have at a pond you can be streaky from outside but he's really good at attacking seams so hopefully they can put it all together and we don't know when Brian Carlwell gets his um, uh, residency so whether they're going to bring someone else into that mm-hmm. lineup or what It'll be interesting to see how someone else actually impacts that team chemistry as well. As a coach, you've got to be aware of that. Yeah. I was interested that that Mike decided to hard show on some of the on-ball pick and rolls because the Hawks weren't getting anything from the perimeter. And Attic Ponya, I think if he strokes a few early, he gets that hard closeout, and that's where he's effective and, and also in transition. But he didn't seem to be getting that part of his game down as well. I think they really are missing uh, O'Sullivan, who's a good knockdown shooter, for them, and he was in a moon boot. So, 
I hope that for the Hawks' sake and obviously for Sully's sake that he gets back on the floor sooner rather than later because he could be a key addition to turning around the fortunes there for Perry Lakes. Let's have a look at Coburn and Rockingham. Again, you're at this game, a seven-point win to the Cougars and you had a chat with Della after the game. Yeah, I spoke to Della today about the game and he, he said uh, their team actually just probably played a little bit better and moved the ball um, with Rockingham. He said it was a, a really typical Rockingham style. They were playing hard the whole time. Ryan Godfrey had a really good game for the Flames and he just said it was a really good tight bat, which Cougars and Flames games generally are. And Billups was the dominant one here for the Cougars. Yeah, 27 points he finished up with. And you hit the nail on the head with Godfrey. That was his first game of 20-plus points. He had 33 in this one. So it's good to see him back in some offensive touch. And Vinny Zolo, who's lacked, in my opinion, a bit of effort on the glass. He had 15 rebounds in that. So a little bit of a silver lining in the the cloud there for the Flames. As I said in the previous game that I watched, uh, he might be getting finding his feet with what the style of play is and what he needs to do and and I think one of those things is is just pure effort and it looks like he's got on the glass and as I said in the last quarter of the game against the Bucks his effort and his work around the press was one of the things that brought him back in that quarter. The final game to end the round on Anzac Day the Suns needed to hit their perimeter jump shot they didn't they were 6 of 39 and Williton raised the ton 103 to 79 Jay Bowie had a great weekend 31 in this one and Ray Turner 23 and 16 rebounds yeah the two imports of the Tigers were going to be the class in that game also having having a point guard in Kyle that's experienced and uh, is able to cut through and break through that press is going to help and they uh, the Tigers I think might have been a little bit woken up by their loss uh, to the Senators, and that would have actually uh, driven them on to make a statement, did it? Mark, let's turn our attention to round seven, MSBL yep. action. Friday night, Redbacks host Perry Lakes. I think the Redbacks are excellent at containing perimeter and particularly the drive, so they'll be able to keep Attic Ponya in front of them. Uh, some great matchups around the floor. Perry Lakes need to find some chemistry in the backcourt. As I said before, too many threes. They're not using Carwell. But Carwell needs to be a bigger presence on D in particular. Uh, the one matchup I'm looking forward to is Redditch v Persa. Do you think they'll go to each other? Yeah, I was going to say that uh, right then. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is an upset. I'll, I'll actually tip the Hawks in this one. Okay. Um, I think I think Redbacks have been playing so well for a long period and the young kids have been achieving. And I just think that after the weekend with Perry Lakes, Matt Parsons might make a few adjustments, and, and there's, there's some quality players on that, that Hawks team. And I think out of anyone in the league that's going to be a good matchup for Redditch, I think Persa, with his strength and his, his ability, might be able to play him a little bit better than others have. So I'm actually going to tip an upset to that one. All right. Do you find any areas of the game where the Redbacks might have the advantage? Yeah, I do. I think uh, you know, Joel Wagner controlling... The game, uh, like he always does, will be a real advantage. Also, like the bench play of those young kids coming in for the Redbacks, I like the way they're moving the ball. Um, as I said, massive advantage is, is how Redditch plays, and that my tip is just purely on if yeah. Persa can stop Redditch because he's, he's quality through it. And Sean might come out and take the challenge of Ben on, and and he could actually have 
that as extra motivation for it. But I just I just think with Redbacks playing so well and with Bigger and Roberts coming, they might actually have what I call the Friday night blues in SBL where you never know what happens on a Friday night game. All right, well, I'm going to tip the Redbacks and reason being, I think they're a better, far better defensive team and I just think the Hawks are going to have too many headaches. If they go to a zone, I think Smith's going to tear them open there and if they go to man, I think Redditch might have the upper hand and uh, some of the younger players have been able to, to fill up the bucket uh, in the early stages of the season. Now, your old club will take on Williton. Question as far as the Tigers go, do you think Damian Scott's role is defined within the Tigers? He's been in a bit of indifferent form and it seems as though the Tigers are still trying to find a bit of balance. Yeah, Damien can be streaky. He last year finished the season you know, on fire and, and he, he plays himself into seasons. You know, Having Turner in there means the Kiwi's more clogged and he's the sort of player that, that likes to, to work inside out of the Kiwi with his back doors and his, his drives to the basket. So there's probably a little bit less space for him and once he just finds that, it's, a, it's going to be an extra advantage for the Tigers. How important is Jack staying out of foul trouble going to be to the fortunes because he's going to have the probably toughest matchup in the SBL and that's guarding Ray Turner. Yeah, he's he's a quality player, Donovan Jack. Um, as I said, I don't, I don't think the Flames get in the ball enough mm. uh, actually in there. I think that the Flames will have to look at some form of zone for a while, which is dangerous with the likes of Bowie and Scott out there. But it's going to be a hard matchup on who plays on, on Ray Turner if they yeah. match up on a man. And and Jack has been you know, getting in foul trouble, as has Mini Zolo when they do go to a man at times. So it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Turner's going to have a 30-20 game, uh, one of those type of nights. He's a quality player. Saturday night, Geraldton take on the Calamunda Eastern Suns. Now, look, if the Suns don't hit anywhere near 50%, this could get very, very ugly. Yeah, it could do. I think Geraldton will win this one easy from what I saw. As I said, uh, you know, there's a few niggling injuries, but a week up in Geraldton and a home game, I think this could get pretty... Um, bit of a blowout in this, in this with Jackson Hussey controlling the point. Um, he, he's a good guard and he's not going to increase that turnover count, which they need. Mark, now that we've got a, an adequate sample size of the season, w- what's the ceiling on the fortunes? What are we looking at for the Bucks? Uh, how high can they go? They're sitting with one loss now. I think depth as the season goes on is going to be that their issue. I still think that they're going to finish in the top five, yep. but I think they're going to drop down to, to maybe a fourth position uh, as teams start to work out a little bit about Benjamin and, and how their game's going. It's really interesting the other day to watch how much extra value uh, I think his own Parangtai is. Yep. Giving Matt Wundenberg just two minutes a quarter and that just makes Matt a more dominant player as he's not resting when he's out there and and you know, he's always played with heart, Matt Wunderberg, and that I think that's been a big pickup to get that extra big guy inside. Yeah, I like that how Parangatai fits into that roster. He attacks the glass, and he's a big body as well. So we'll see how they go up there. I'm tipping the Bucks. You are as well. Yeah, I'm tipping the Bucks in that one. Okay, June Lup will host Mandra, uh, another game where I think the Wolves can rotate their bench, and uh, Mullinax is going to need to have forty plus. Yeah, I think so. With it, McNeil, as I said, is starting to to look improved, he's starting to find where he goes. He's a really good on-ball defender. He might have to go to the likes of of Trian um, in this game. 
I, I think the Wolves are getting uh, Ironmonger back soon, which will be a huge advantage for them. I actually think he's a quality point guard. When Questrel not playing, getting Ironmonger back in is, is going to help him. Smythe had a good game last week, and I think Warner will be too dominant in this one. Okay, East Perth will take on Lakeside. As I said, greeters off to the centre of excellence. Congratulations again to him, a wonderful talent. Great young man as well. Lakeside are going to need to hit the three. Who's going to have more boards in this one, Davis or Padgett? It's going to be a feature. Yeah, Padgett's going to have to have 20-plus boards. Otherwise, they're going to lose the rebounding count here. And Davis is, is dominant around that area. With Mason Bragg controlling it, East Perth, I think, will win this one. And I think they'll win it between 10 and 20. Yep, I'll echo those thoughts as well. The Eagles, for me, Goldfields will take on Sterling. Sterling's still awaiting that big import, but they are in form at the moment. Can they make the longest trip in the State Basketball League for the win? Yeah, I think they can. I think they've shown that they are a team rebounding force, uh, which is it, Goldfields' challenge. You can't leave Holman to, to be on the glass. They're going to find other people to step up and get that 8 to 12 rebounds. It's interesting, a guy like Russell Hurst used to come in off the bench and get you sort of eight rebounds in, in bench time, and they, they don't have him this year. They probably need that other big to go along with them, and I'd, I think the Senators are the form team at the moment. You know, An experienced point guard in row, they have the, the stretch shooters, and as you said, Ash Litterick, if they don't block him out, he's going to go for six to seven offensive rebounds. I think if you asked every coach in the Men's State Basketball League if they could pick a young big man in the competition, Litterick would be up near the top of that list. I like the Senators to continue their winning ways in the Goldfields. Game of the round for me is the Coburn Cougars taking on the Perth Redbacks. Uh, tough cover there. It will be Jalen Billups of the Coburn Cougars. I think the Redbacks will bounce back from the Friday night that I predicted mm. and I think they'll have that coverage. I, I think Redditch will play on billets in in doing it it's going to be a case of experience versus explosiveness in in that game and it's it's probably what team will execute but i think the redbacks will come back and as you, as you said when you're putting the case for them where i was pretty picking the upset their defensive style and that is going to be uh, one that gets them across the line against coburn and their team rebounding because coburn that can be their weakness with gavin playing at the four yeah, and who are they going to cover Redditch with in this one? I mean, Field might be a bit slight of frame and uh, Billups maybe not have the foot speed to be able to guard him out on the perimeter. Who, who gets that matchup? I reckon I wouldn't be surprised. They used to use Gavin Field on Cooper Land a fair bit and they used to try and front him when he's in the post and, and Gav is a really effective, underrated defender mm. of those guys and, and he defends guys that are a little bit bigger than him so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they put field to, to Redditch and the two of them just sort of play at it and they'll use Billets as the helper or help side on it Alright, I like the look of the Redbacks I think uh, defensively they're stronger than the Cougars and yep. uh, will win the battle on the glass. Final fixture Sunday, Williton take on the Southwest Slammers. Now Williton would have already played against the Flames on Friday, so a couple of days rest, but Southwest come up to the metro area with fresh bodies and fresh legs. Nichols v Armour. I want you to pick one right now. Who is the better point guard currently, Nichols or Armour? Uh, I don't think you can 
pick that because I think Trey plays more as a combo two guard. So good question trying to get me there. Yeah. Um, but if if you're looking at comparing it, wouldn't you compare Michael Lay with Cole Lama? Yeah, probably. They're the two point guards. Yeah. So good question to try and get me. Both Kyle and uh, Trey are, are, are really good players. Um, Trey would probably have that explosive scoring potential that's probably better than Kyle. Um, but Kyle, being a point guard, is probably better at setting his team up. And they play in different styles. Mm. Trey does a lot off the bounce. Kyle does as, as well. But Kyle likes to do it off on-ball picks probably a bit more than Trey. So it would be a hard one to pick. Yeah. I, I couldn't say which one. You've done well there, Mark, to dodge that one. Uh, second question for you. Who's a better two-man, Trey Nichols or Jay Bowie? Um, <laughs> I, I reckon they're both tied, those two. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I, would have, I would have both of them in my team. Yeah. Trey, Trey, I would probably say, as a traditional shooting guard, Jay Bowie because of his ex, extra size. Mm. Um, but Trey, if you're in a team that needs you to do more, um, Trey does swing across to, as I said, that combo point guard. So both of them are great. I can't pick between them. I'm going to take the Tigers in a very tight ball game. It's probably going to be tighter than what people think if you consider their positions on the standings, purely on the matchup of Brian Volkel. Because I don't think the Tigers have one answer for what he can produce. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they play Ray Turner on him. Okay. I would. Um, and I'd have Ray Turner probably around the keyway and just let Brian play the perimeter as we said he's he's more of a driver than a shooter see if he can beat you from outside I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers go that and then raise their dominant rebounder and blocking him out because that's where Brian is so so damaging yep. to do that though someone's got to find Brian early in in transition because that's where he pushes the ball Mark if that's the case then who needs to step up for the slammers that will fill that void left by neutral the neutralisation there of Brian Volkel uh it's, it's whether they can put a stop on Trey. Mm. Trey can, can go for... He hasn't had a game yet where he goes for high 30s to 40, and, and we know he can. Yeah. And in this sort of game, if he gets going there, you know, who, who's going to stop him? I think he causes matchup problems probably for a little bit of strength with Kyle, and he also causes matchup problems if they go Jay Bowie because he's, he's so good off the bounce. So... Trey could step up and have a big game in this one. Who's your tip, Mark? Uh, Williton, the close one. All right. So we both go for the same. Love your work. Thanks again for your valuable contributions. Uh, enjoy the week of basketball, Mark. I will do. Hopefully get to a few more games. Thanks again to Vlad Alava and to Mark Utley. That is a wrap for this podcast of SBL Slam. We're back live on 98.5 Sunshine FM next Tuesday. 7 p.m. This is Matt Chechen signing off. I look forward to your company next week. The SBL Slam 98.5. We're family.